Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. We are the Sports Rivals. That's Ernie and I'm Monty. And first and foremost, it is a Merry Christmas week. So on behalf of the Sports Rivals, we want to wish everyone and your families and ohana, as we say here in Hawaii, a very Merry Christmas. And Ernie, lot to talk about today centered around NFL talk for the Uh, most part. mm -hmm. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Aloha Stadium situation. Finally, some good news this week. Or is it? We're going to cover that for you a little bit later. And Ernie's going to share his take on the very off-the-rails Draymond Green in his closing thought. But Ernie, let's start first and foremost with the NFL. Right now on Monday Night Football, you've got the Eagles hanging on to a 17-13 lead against the Seattle uh, Seahawks in a game that both teams must win for different reasons. But The headline yesterday, Ernie, was Dallas and Buffalo. And let's start there, even before we get to our Pittsburgh and Ram picks, because I think that was a very interesting outcome with the Bills romping Dallas and how they did it. Yeah, when I saw the line and I saw that Buffalo was favored, I was intrigued by that because if 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 I would have picked that, I would have picked the Cowboys just based upon what they were doing, the recent success, you know, against Philadelphia and whatnot. But, boy, it shows that the the guys in Vegas know what they're doing or the people who are pushing that line knew what they were doing because, yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't... It, it wasn't the outcome that I expected. I expected Dallas to come out and show moxie. You know, it was the exact opposite. You know, Buffalo coming out and, you know, what expo- basically exposing uh, the weaknesses of Dallas's uh, system. Over yeah, and, and I think that's what's really intriguing about this whole thing with the Dallas Cowboys. Ernie, they are completely different teams in Dallas and on the road. Yeah, they are. At home, they're 7-0, and averaging 40 points a game. Dak, is, his passer rating is like 125 at home. 20 touchdowns, 2 interceptions in those 7 games. In, on the road, Dallas is 3-4. and four. His passer rating drops from 125 to 84. He's got 8 touchdowns and 5 interceptions. And included in those games are a blowout loss at San Francisco, a blowout loss at Buffalo, a loss at the lowly Arizona Cardinals, right. and then a hard-fought loss at, at the Philadelphia Eagles. It is mind-boggling at the professional level it, that you have such a disparity between home cooking and being on the road. I, there's really, to me, no explanation for no, that. that I and mean, that's the part with, I think, that, uh, you know, is in Dak's arsenal that's not, uh, I guess, developed to the point that you want it to be. I mean, like you said, I mean, vast differentials from <laughs> between a home game versus an away game. And that doesn't bode well for them if they do not win that division. And Time's running out. Three weeks left. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And I think for Buffalo, what was really intriguing about yesterday's game for Buffalo is they are criticized all the time for a lack of a running game or relying on Josh Allen way too much. Josh Allen yesterday has 94 yards passing. 
They run for 266 yards against the Dallas Cowboy defense. James Cook goes for 179 yards on his own. They just ran it down Dallas's throat with physical, physical play. And I think the template has kind of been set, which is why Dallas has a hard time with San Francisco, which is why Dallas has a hard time oftentimes with Philadelphia. Big, physical, strong teams that control the ball, that run right at um, Michael Parsons and completely negated him, give Dallas a hard time. And Dallas has to play one way. Dallas has to play with a lead so that they can rear back and rush the passer once they get down and you force Dak to have to catch up. He's a completely different person. So what's fascinating about this, Ernie, is what happens this week as Dallas stays on the East Coast against the AFC East. Now they're going to be playing at Miami Next week, Sunday, against Tua Tonga-Vailoa, completely different situation. It won't be pouring rain and freezing like it was in Buffalo. But I'm intrigued to see, does Dallas bounce back and be the Dallas that they play at home? Or can Miami put another L in the loss column for the Dallas Cowboys? That's going to be interesting. Yeah, I kind of think Miami would be, I mean, uh, would be, I mean, we can check right now what the line is on top of that game. But I would I would figure that Miami would be big. Wow, Miami minus one minus and one and a half. I I would take Miami with those <laughs> points right now, based upon you know recent history and Miami. Look at their home. I mean, they they do well. They're six and one at home. The Miami Dolphins. Cowboys are three and four away. One and a half. Boy, is this something that Vegas knows again that I don't know? Uh, the line for me is thinking, take Miami with your house, <laughs> or at least maybe maybe two days mortgage payment. <laughs> well, know? we'll get back to that when we cover our picks a little bit later on. But let's take a look at the broad picture. With the Buffalo Bills, Ernie, they're playing really, really well the last couple of weeks. They get the Chargers this week, and then... Um, another easy game against the Patriots. We could be looking at if Dallas can find a way to beat Miami. Week 17, Buffalo at Miami could be for the AFC East. And I tell you this right now. I don't think anyone that's currently in the playoffs in the AFC want the Buffalo Bills to make the playoffs. Yeah, they're playing good ball right now. I mean, and just based on the fact that Buffalo's been there, done that, you know, that bodes well for them. They know how to come together as a team. Their coach, their quarterback, the leaders of that team, have the experience to, you know, turn it up when the, the bright lights are on. And the bright lights are going to be on for this because it's tied in that AFC. Now, currently, the Buffalo Bills are still out, even if they have an 8-6 and six record like a plethora of teams have. Another team that's currently out now at 7-7 seven and seven is Ernie's Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh. Another frustrating loss at the Colts. I believe it was 30-13, to 13, the final score, after being up 13-0, I yeah, think, was right thir- to start the game. It was thir- and then the wheels fell off. What were your thoughts? As expected, I was surprised that they were up 13. I mean, I was away. F- I was I was on vacation during the game. I was I was watching it on my phone. I had my daughters drive the car while I was, uh, you know, uh, I was, you know, watching it online, and I was surprised they were up 13-0. So I told them, you know, let's let's head home. We were we were supposed to head to a casino, but I told them let's let's head home. I wanted to watch, uh, at least drop me off and uh, watch the game live, but. By the time we hit home, it was like, <laughs> it was not there. Trubisky, 
did the Trubisky thing, uh, basically gave it away. So that's why uh, Mason Rudolph, the third quarterback, will be starting, you know, in next week's game. Uh, Mike Tomlin right now is as vulnerable as I've ever seen him as the Steelers head coach for the last, what, 17, 18 years. I mean, they've there's talk about his replacements already, you know, with three games left. I mean, this is a guy who has not had a losing season since he's been becoming. I mean, they still have a chance, but it looks unlikely they're 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 gonna have to win this week, you know. And they got they got two tough games. I think they still play the Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. uh, to close it out. That's probably gonna be the the game that's gonna put them over 500 or below 500, uh, it doesn't look good. I mean, the Steelers have, uh, for some reason or another, with all the talent that they have on offense, have laid a big egg. And I blame everything from the coaching staff to the players, uh, to the leaders on this team. I mean, even they have, uh, you know, let me down in regards to what Steeler football is. And this is, even though they have had success the Steelers have not won a playoff game in seven years. And I think that's going to play a, a role in whether Tomlin is going to continue as, as coach. As successful as he's been, he hasn't won a playoff game in seven years. Yeah, and, and, and of course, now, if you're a Pittsburgh Steeler fan you're, and you're Ernie's age <laughs> or anyone's <laughs> age, you're used to success. I mean, Pittsburgh has been... Always a winner. Maybe they have a couple of down years, but this Tomlin area with 15 straight years of a winning record, it's not too unlike the Bill Cowher era era and the Chuck Noll era. Um, there's a reason why there have only been three coaches in our lifetimes. Right. They are constantly winning. Now, it is a different NFL right now. Offense wins. Tomlin is a defensive coach. Although Pittsburgh had some pretty good offenses when Ben Roethlisberger was there, um, right now they seem to be in a complete rut. And now to compound that, you have some situations with Minka uh, getting injured again and and Kazee suspended for the rest of the season. Even if they make the playoffs, he can play in the playoffs as well. there's some chinks in the armor, but I didn't like the body language towards the end of the game. They just seem dejected and frustrated where you have this dichotomy of the defense and the offense and the defensive players getting really frustrated with the offensive players. Something you see from the Jets from time to time, um, or I remember seeing this with the Rams with Jeff Fisher and the defense would just be so annoyed with the ineptness of the offense. Um but three weeks ago, the Steelers were 7-4, and four, looking at a stretch of time that we thought they were going to be able to get to 10-4, and four, and instead they've lost three straight to fall to 7-7. Seven and seven. So it is going to be an uphill battle because now they've dropped to the bottom of their division. The Ravens are still rolling. They're 11-3. and three. They lead the AFC. The Browns just keep finding ways to win. That's what the Steelers were doing. That has stopped, though, the last three weeks. But the Browns are now 9-5. and five. The Bengals somehow have won three in a row without Joe Burrow, yep. with uh, Browning doing a very, very good job for the Bengals. And then the Steelers are at 7-7. Seven and seven, But the Steelers have a shot at Cincinnati this week in a game that they have to win. They have to win. You know, it. a loss there puts Cincinnati and Cleveland minimally two games ahead of Pittsburgh. Uh, and that's going to be tough 
a tough mountain to to cover if you're the Steelers. So at that, you don't want to just keep Tomlin's winning season streak alive. You want to get into the playoffs, and it looks like. 10 wins is, is probably going to be what it takes with all those teams right. there to get into the playoffs. Right. So that's kind of where we stand there. On the other hand, on the positive side, my Rams were able to win their fourth out of fifth, uh, five games. They made it more interesting than I would have liked up 28 to seven. They give up two touchdowns late to make it a game at 28, 20, um, but they cover the spread for me in, in one of my picks, but the Rams are playing really well. Kyron Williams, another 152 yards rushing and a touchdown he did have two costly fumbles that made the game closer than it should have been Um, but Matt Stafford over the last five weeks leads the NFL in passer rating is now up to 21 touchdowns and only nine interceptions where four or five weeks ago he was at eight touchdowns and seven interceptions so he's gotten on a nice little roll with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua both being healthy so I like where my Rams are right now we have the New Orleans Saints coming up on Thursday night I don't see why the Rams should not be able to take care of business with the New Orleans Saints then Christmas uh, New Year's Eve we go to the Giants in a situation where are the Giants still going to be motivated at that point in time hopefully not and if the, the Rams can get to nine and seven, then we have a chance regardless of what we do against San Francisco, which is we can we can't beat them. <laughs> so unless San Francisco rests all their players, they might. So somehow they have everything clinched. Yeah, that might. would be the only reason. But the trouble with that is as the number one seed, you typically don't rest your players because you don't want them to not play for three weeks because you have the bye. True. Um, so I think the Rams have to win the next two weeks to give us a fighting shot to get into the playoffs. But let's speed dial through all of the league. The Miami Dolphins really rebounded from a frustrating loss to the Tennessee Titans on Monday night last week to beat the Jets 30-0 to in a game that thoroughly dominated. Um, without, without Tyreek Hill. Without Tyreek Hill. He sat out, which I think was really good for Miami to be able to do what they did, throwing and running against a great defense in the Jets without Tyreek Hill because everyone thinks they go as Tyreek goes and they were able to do a lot without him. That's got to be a confidence booster for them. We talked about Buffalo's win uh, and then the Patriots, they lost to the Chiefs in a game that Ernie won in one of his picks. They fall to 3-11 and and loudly it's becoming more and more likely that Bill Belichick is not going to be the Patriots coach going forward Uh, I even heard a report that said while they were in Germany the decision was already made they're not going to fire him in season but there's an agreement that he will leave at the end of the season that's what was reported Um, so it looks like Bill Belichick will be the next coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers if my (laughs) problem you know I, I laugh I laugh in jest but that might be that might there's there's some validity in that <laughs> but Pittsburgh tends to go with a young coach and let them yeah, grow with them so that's true. and then we cover the uh, NFC North the Jaguars continue their spiral they've lost three games in a row now to fall to eight and six now tied with the Indianapolis Colts at eight and six the Texans uh, were down 16-0 come back and win in overtime uh, at Tennessee they're at eight and six so right now three teams at eight and six in that division 
And then the Titans bringing up the rear at 5-9. and nine. The Chiefs' victory at the Patriots, they're 9-5. and five. The Broncos got waxed by, by Detroit. They're at 7-7. Seven and seven. The Raiders trounced the Chargers, leading to Brandon Staley being fired the very next morning. Yeah, what a... Um, 63-21. That's got to be, that's gotta be the biggest differential week to week from scoring zero... To, to 632 in the first half. Exactly. It was crazy. So the Raiders are still at six and eight with a puncher's chance at the playoffs, although unlikely. And the Chargers, they're now five and nine. Herbert's on the IR. They fired the coach. Now it's just a matter of how far can we tank and who can we draft. They're in the NFC. The Eagles are still playing. We talked about the Cowboy loss at 10 and 4. The Giants lost uh, at the Saints to fall to 5 and 9. The Commanders lost to my Rams to fall to 4 and 10. Detroit, they're at 10 and 4 now with a three-game lead because the Vikings lost to the Bengals to fall to 7 and 7, giving Detroit a three-game cushion with only three games left. So Detroit looks like they're going to be the division champs. And the Patriot, I mean the Packers have lost two games in a row to the Giants and then to Tampa Bay at home, surprisingly. Yeah, surprising. Um, they're now at 6 and 8 and outside the playoffs looking in. And then the Bears lost. Uh, they blew a 17-7 lead to the Browns. They lose 20 to 17 in a game that's kind of a microcosm of Chicago. I don't know if you saw the Hail Mary to end the game. Yeah. And that was close. Was actually, Mooney actually had it <laughs> was, and then somehow bumped it out of his hand. Yeah, he was um, he was sitting on his on his behind yeah, and, and the ball just falls <laughs> on him and somehow geez. it bounces up and they didn't make it. But that's kind of the luck of the Bears. And then in the NFC South, you have the Buccaneers and the Saints both at seven and seven, leading the division. The Falcons at six and eight. The Panthers get off the Schneid. They win their second game of the year to go to two and twelve. And then the 49ers at 11 and 3, the Rams 7 and 7, Seahawks currently still playing at 6 and 7, and the Cardinals at 3 and 11. So as we stand right now, this is the playoff picture currently. In the AFC, Baltimore's your one seed, Miami's two, Chiefs are three, Jacksonville's four, Cleveland is five, Bengals are six, and the Colts are seven. If you're wondering where the Steelers are, Ernie, they are at 10th right now. Just tank. They're at the top of the seven and seven uh, ledger. So Buffalo is still at nine. So they have some work to do in order to get into the playoffs. And then in the NFC, Currently, you have the Niners at one, the Eagles at two, Detroit at three, Tampa Bay at four as the South champ. Dallas, of course, would be the highest ranked uh, wild card at five. Minnesota's at six. And my Rams, for the first time all year, are in the playoffs as the seventh seed <laughs> at this point in time. So we'll see how that shakes out. But Thursday night's going to be critical because New Orleans is right there as the eighth seed with the same exact record. So, whoo! NFL, Ernie, it's been a real tragedy for you for the last yeah. three weeks. Yeah, I mean... You know what is so weird, though? Get, we started off, the Rams and the Steelers are both around the same record, right? I think three and two. Then we sucked, and the Steelers went on a roll, and then now the Steelers are, are struggling, and the Rams are hot. We can't get together at the same time. When one of us is miserable, the other one is happy. Yeah, this must be the curse of Canada. Canada right now is just like laughing right now. <laughs> See? It wasn't me. <laughs> and the Eagles are 17-13 over the Seahawks. There's one minute and 24 seconds left in the game. The Seahawks do have the ball at the 37-yard line, their own 37-yard line. So we'll see what happens from there. 
But again, that's Ernie. I am Monty. Together we are the Sports Rivals, part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Again, weekday mornings, Kuule and Paul. I wake up in the den, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., 760 a.m., 95.1 FM, or on com. You can listen to everything online, and they also put out their podcast at the end of the day. You'll also find our podcast on their website, hawaiisportsradio.com. You can listen to our podcast weekly on their website as well. So, Ernie, let's talk a little bit about the Aloha Stadium. Okay. So, those of you that were following, I know Kule and Paul spent a lot of time on this, and it was big news. See, Ernie, the reason why we're recording Monday night instead of Sunday night putting it out on Monday is Ernie was on the mainland for Elaine's graduation in Phoenix, Arizona. So, they got home late yesterday. So, we decided to do this today. So, Ernie was away when this whole Aloha Stadium press conference came out. But essentially, there was some optimism. Craig Angelos was there. The governor was speaking. Everyone was there that it is going to happen now. It will be ready by the fall of 2028. The the processes have been started. There's a window now for people. contractors they get an upper hand if they include extras like housing around the facility or other ancillary type businesses around the facility or the ability to expand it beyond 25,000 seats or luxury boxes if they want to do add-ons they get extra credit and have a more likelihood of securing it my question to Ernie do you believe what the excitement came out last week. We want to believe, but do you believe that this is going to happen the way they said it's going to happen? It'll be completed in 2032. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. I, I've, I've seen construction on major projects for 45, 50 years. Not one has finished on time. Not one. The politics within this system... I'm sorry, it, 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 we, it won't happen. It's not that the, it's corrupt, but uh, I believe that there's some, uh, there's some pockets out there that shouldn't be pockets. And I think that's why we, have, we here in Hawaii have a difficult time uh, you know, completing these projects on time. I think if the government stayed out of it, you know, and they just left it to maybe... Uh, private they, sector. Yeah, the private sector, and they meant everything. I think it can be done. It should be done. It's four years. Four years is a long time. But with the government involved, I have no faith in them. Yeah. What a catch by DK Metcalf. The, the Seahawks are now at the 29-yard line with 37... 33 seconds left. It's third and 10. Let's see if they can punch it in. I totally agree with Ernie. I want to be optimistic. I want to believe that this is going to be true. The renderings look nice. I love the fact that there's going to be housing around there. I think there should be housing around there. There's enough real estate. There's enough room there. Touchdown, Seattle. Seattle takes the lead with under 30 seconds to go. Wow. Dallas Cowboy fans are rejoicing right now in their seats, as are 49er fans. Maybe this is not a bad thing if the 49ers don't play their starters (laughs) in Week 17. But anyway, getting back to Aloha Stadium, I want to believe, but Ernie's right. There is not any recent evidence that anything happens on any kind of a timeline versus 
you know, both in terms of the finances involved as well as the timelines involved. So initially, it was supposed to be ready by 2023. Now we're still in the process in 2024 to get this started. So I'm hopeful. I want to believe that it is going to happen. I want to believe that it's going to be okay. Um, but at the same time, I just I have my doubts. And, and um, I don't know how you cannot have your doubts, whether it be when the word corruption can be used in so many different ways, whether it's purposeful corruption or not, there are so many hands that need to be fed. There's so many wheels that need to be greased um, that it takes a long time. There's so much bureaucracy. That's what it is. And, and to weed through the bureaucracy is a real, real problem. Hopefully, Craig Angelos had success at FAU or Florida Atlantic University before he came here building their stadium. Hopefully, he can share some light on the processes. So I'm hopeful, Ernie, but I'm going to have to be on the side of I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, because if this was a private university, then I would say yes. It's not a private university. It's run by the state. The state can't even... The state has a hard time renting its own facilities back to the University of Hawaii. I mean, that's how that's how bad it is. The University of Hawaii has to have a contract to play, uh, and the contract is going to their employer, which is in the state of Hawaii, and they have a very difficult time doing that. I mean, and now you're going to be building, you know, uh, uh, something as large as a stadium. I mean, that to me, yeah, I like it. Like I said, it, 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 it I'm. I like that they put deadlines and incentives towards it, but I got a feeling that, you know, deadlines and incentives were there in the past and it's, they, they haven't come to fulfillment. And in, in fact, this latest one with the rail is uh, yeah. just, just proof in the pudding that it can't be done. It's not even close. This yeah. is, the rail is supposed to be... It should, we should have been all the way to Ala Moana at this point in time and we're, we're not even... Fi- at Kalihi yet, so yeah, and that yeah, I mean we're not even at the airport yet, so uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, if if by twenty twenty six, I see a structure that looks like it can be finished, then I'll have more optimism. faith, yeah, optimism. But at this point in time, um, so three. put us, gang, put us both in the skeptical yeah. but hopeful camp. We don't, we don't, we're not Debbie Downers. We want to believe this is going to happen because it has to happen. It'll happen. If this does not happen under the timeline, you really are jeopardizing the future of University of Hawaii Athletics. And I just don't want us to be in that situation where that is what we're doing. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. So, Ernie, let's backtrack a little bit because I jumped a little bit ahead of the game here. I forgot about our top fives. I forgot about our, our picks. So let's start, first of all, Ernie last week goes 1-0 and with a push. He wins by a half a point. Kansas City won by 10. They were laying 9.5. He pushed with the Browns minus 3. Myself, I go 1-1. One and one. The Rams covered over the Commanders. Green Bay laid an egg at home against Tampa Bay. So I go 1-1 one and one again for the ninth or 10th consecutive <laughs> week. So if you've been betting on me for the last 10 weeks, you're down because you're paying juice yeah. on a weekly basis. So um, The guy named Vig is the one that's winning. Absolutely. So for, for this week, I'm going to go, and it's a tough, some tough games. I'm going to go with Jacksonville to get off the schneid and to win minus one. I have them minus one 
at Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay will come crashing back to earth. I think Tampa, uh, I mean, I think the uh, Jacksonville has to win this game. I think they're going to play with some desperation. I like them minus one. And in the game of the week, Christmas night, the last game of the week, San Francisco, Baltimore in San Francisco. I think San Francisco lays another statement at home, lay the five and a half points with the 49ers. I like them to beat the Ravens by seven or more points. How about your two picks? I'm going to go with uh, the Indianapolis Colts. They've been playing well. I know their their run defense uh, isn't that well, and Atlanta is definitely a running uh, football team. But I just like how the Colts are playing. I uh, I know Atlanta needs the game, but also the Colts need the game. I just trust the Colts a little bit more. I like what Minshew did. Well, it was against the Steelers, so maybe he looked good in that way. But, you know, uh, he recovered well. I mean, the Steelers had gave him a lot of pressure in the first half, and he still stood in that pocket. I like the Colts. Two and a half points. At Atlanta, and in my second game, I'm gonna run with uh, the Detroit Lions. They've been, you know, they laid that egg on Thanksgiving, and they they bounced back since then. Uh, they're playing against uh, a Minnesota team that really has nothing to play for, and I think this is the time of the year that you know it, the team that wants it more uh, is just gonna put that many more points, and I think the spread is a little too low for that. Detroit minus three right now at Minnesota. I'll take that three points and I'll take Detroit. All right. So there you have it. I have Jacksonville minus one and San Fran lane five and a half. Ernie goes Detroit lane three and a half at the Vikings and lane two and a half by the Colts at Atlanta. Looks like looks like Seattle has just intercepted the ball with under 10 seconds to go. It looks like they are going to win and the Philadelphia Eagles losing streak will extend to three games. Three games. And the, and the Seattle Seahawks losing streak will end at five games and they'll too move to seven and seven in the NFC. So let's go to our top five. And gang, despite what's happening right now, um, my, my, my top five is going to remain the same San Francisco's clearly one Ravens are clearly two for me now Miami lost to the Titans they did rebound Dallas did get blown by Buffalo but Philadelphia looks like they're going to be losing again so I have San Fran one Baltimore two I believe Dallas is the best of the 10 and four teams at this point they will be three for me Miami will be four and Philadelphia will be five but barely I almost put the Buffalo Bills in here at eight and six because I believe they're playing well but they're the eighth seed in the playoffs yeah. in the AFC. So it was hard for me to put them in the top five yet. But they're on their way. So San Fran, Ravens, Dallas, Miami, and Philly round out my um, my top five with the Chiefs, the Bills, the Lions all sitting there outside. I mean, yeah, I understand your, your, your topic. I mean, I had a really hard time making my top five. I'm like you. I have San Francisco, Baltimore, clearly at number one, number two. I've got actually Miami at number three. I've got the Cowboys at four. I just can't push Philly out. Philly was my last week's number five. And even with a loss and three weeks in a row losing, I still have them at number five. I just can't push the other things ahead of them. Like you said, I think it's a cumulative effect on what Philly's done throughout the season. They've been winning those close games when they were winning. And they're losing the close games right now. 
you know, but I still think uh, from a power ranking standpoint, I still have them a bit uh, ahead of those other teams. I like Detroit, but Detroit can be had at, on any given week. Jacksonville, Kansas City, and like you said, Buffalo is the is a low seed. I, I mean, they've done their damage. I don't, I don't think we'll see them in the top five uh, at, at, at best until the last week of the season. That's supposedly if the other teams falter. So same top five, a little bit different order. But the same teams over there. Yeah, so the Eagles get the Giants next week. And if you take a look at going back six weeks for the Eagles, they've played the Cowboys, then the Bills, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, again, the 49ers. That's a gauntlet of big-time, physical, quality teams. Then they go to Seattle today, flying across the country with Jalen Hurts, extremely sick, questionable to even play the game. They only put up 17 points. They held them to 20, although they gave up the critical one late. So I too, I think they're better than they've played recently, but they need to get off the schneid. So look for them to put a real whooping on the Giants next week. They're going to play like a desperate team as they need to, to get back off the schneid. So that's our top five. Again, what do you, you, what do you guys think? Do you agree with us? Do you have different ones? Again, it's Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Technical difficulties, the game going on uh, and talking over us. So I want to transition to Ernie's closing thought. We haven't talked a lot about basketball right now. If you're in Hawaii, the Diamond Head Classic getting ready to start this weekend. Hopefully it'll be a good one. The the Rainbow Men lose last night to Nevada and a nail biter, seventy-two to sixty-six. Nevada has been great. It's Steve a good, Alford, it's a, yeah, it's a good Steve Nevada. Alford one is last the coach. Teams. One last yeah, team. Yeah, so hopefully they do well. Last uh, last year they won the Diamond Head Classes. Classic on a miracle shot by uh, Jovan McClanahan at the end. Hopefully they can do that again. We'll talk more about the NBA going forward, but Ernie's got something interesting to talk about in his closing thought. Yeah, and I, I mean, this has been all over the news. I mean, I'm talking about Draymond Green. Uh, for those of you who have been listening to this podcast, you probably know that uh, uh, I'm a Boston Celtic fan, but my second favorite team is the Golden State Warriors, other than when they play them, you know, in the finals. <laughs> and of the Golden State Warriors, my favorite player is Draymond Green. I just think the guy is the guy is energy. It's why I like Marcus Smart when Marcus Smart was on the Boston Celtics. Draymond Green does the things that no other people will do. Unfortunately, he's overstepped the line. I mean, and it's been historic over the especially in, in, in recent memory with, uh, you know, the antics uh, with Rudy Gobert, you know, and now Yusuf Nurtik uh, of, of the, you know, the Phoenix Suns. But, it go, you know, history it goes back to uh, the offseason when uh, punching out Jordan Poole. Uh, even beyond that, you know, stepping on Domantis Sabonis. And even before that, with LeBron James, you know, kicking, kicking him where no man wants to be hit. And, you know, so and, you know, supposedly that antic cost them the, you know, the championship that season when they had won 70 something games. I think was it 72, 73 games. I can't remember. But that was a a very good, uh, you know, Golden State Warrior team. Now he is being punished for an indefinite amount. I mean, I'm under the opinion that he should be suspended. But if this indefinite amount 
uh, goes beyond that of John Morant, I, or even close to that of John Morant. I'm hearing it's going to be a month or so. Uh, I don't know how many, how many games that's going to entail, but if it gets close to John Morant, I am totally against it. I mean, he deserves to be punished. In, in no manner does Draymond Green show these issues outside of basketball. He does this for his team, and he knows his team is struggling. There's a trigger in him that uh, probably puts in adrenaline. I mean, not to give him an excuse. What he did was wrong. But that's, his, that's what he brings to the team. He brings a very competitive spirit to the Golden State Warriors. And I'll be very surprised if, uh, during this uh, suspension that the Golden State Warriors play over 500 ball. Well, they weren't playing 500 ball even with him. So, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that Draymond Green is the catalyst and the instigator for them. Um, See, Ernie likes punks. I mean, that really explains (laughs) it. He likes the Celtics. He likes the Steelers. Um, But getting back to Draymond Green, see, I I think the indefinite suspension is a good thing. He's going to have to meet with people and clear that there's no definitive the timeline and John Morant may not come back after 30 games as well but there seems to be for whatever reason a definite escalation in what Draymond Green is doing so for whatever reason whether it be frustrating that the team is losing but they've lost before um, he got his money they got rid of Jordan Poole they seem to have done all the things that he would want them to do um, but he was ejected three times in the first 15 days choking Rudy Gobert, this punch that um, was a... F- yeah, it was it was an acting punch, but it was still a punch. Yeah, it was. But the, the thing that concerns me is things are escalating to the point where he seems to not have control of himself, and somebody can get seriously injured. Last year when he stomped on Sabonis in the playoffs... That changed everything because Sabonis was not the same. He had internal injuries that he was dealing with after that stomp. So he's doing things that can not just get you ejected, but that can honestly physically harm someone. And that there's no place for that. To me, what he's doing is more egregious than what John Morant did. Uh, that's because what, John that's- Morant is talking, acting, and not harming anyone versus what Draymond Green is physically injuring people constantly. Punching Jordan Poole, stomping on Sabonis, choking Rudy Gobert, and then punching this guy in the face. Yeah. Now, it's not major injuries, but it is. In Sabonis' case, there was an injury. I just think it's escalating to the point where he's out of control and that has to stop. I have heard that he's not going to play another game for the Golden State Warriors. So there's already talk, where is he going to end up? Dallas is the favorite to land him, according to reports that came out today. Uh, I know he wants to play with LeBron. I cannot see a a way to make that happen, Mm -hmm. uh, where he would go to, to the Lakers. And at this point in time, I wouldn't want him. I mean, he's too disruptive in this state of mind for whatever reason. I'm not sure what it is that has put him over the edge because before he was like a punk he was a catalyst he was an instigator now he's crossed the line in my opinion so i think it's going to be around 20 games i think he's smart enough intelligent enough to talk his way no more than that he'll say the right things 
Um, so I think that'll be the cap. I don't think it'll get to the 30 for John Moran, but I do think it's egregious and I think it's dangerous. And I don't want him to injure somebody while he's dealing with this out of control aggressiveness that he's playing with right yeah. now. You know, and I'll agree on all of those points other than the fact that I don't think it's worse. I think it's less than what John Morant has been doing. In my opinion, that that transcends basketball, what John Morant has been doing. Everything that Draymond does is within basketball. He's a pillar of the community from all that. From what mm-hmm. all I've, I've heard, he contributes back to the community. He's a well-liked person other than what Jordan Poole might say, <laughs> you know. Uh, by his teammates and, and, and everything like that. I don't think this is a counsel. Usually when you have counseling issues, it goes beyond basketball. You know, you have those issues uh, on the court and off the court. I haven't heard anything that came off the court. I've only heard positive things from people who know him uh, well. They all agree that what he does on the court is, uh, is unexcusable. Uh, so pay the penalty for that. But with the John Morant thing or even the Miles Bridges thing, I think those two are two cases where, uh, you know, you've already set precedence and that's going to determine what Draymond Green's punishment. If Draymond gets punished for the season, then I think John Morant should be punished for the season. That's just my opinion. It may differ, differ from yours, but that's how I feel. I think Draymond Green, outside of basketball, is a better person than John Morant. Well, no, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I do agree that Draymond Green, outside of basketball, is a better person than, than John Morant. But now you're talking about, I mean, there's like an eight-year history of incidents with Draymond. Right. Repetitive nature of stuff and the escalation has to get under control. Yeah, but this has to this has to stop. Not saying that he's a I, I, I totally agree. He's married, he has kids, he's a better person than John Moran yeah. at this point in time. But my my point was Draymond is physically hurting or attacking people, whereas John Moran was being a complete utter idiot. idiot right he was being an idiot um which is bad right. and he should be punished i'm not i'm not right. saying that he shouldn't be punished but draymond is actually physically affecting people and i right. think that right. has to count for something it, it, it does and i think uh what holds in favor of draymond is like the detroit pistons i think beer bill and beer is a, a, a person that we can look back on on the antics that he's done. Yeah, Bill Beer would have been a perfect Celtic. <laughs> I don't know about that. He was a, he was a, I hated the guy. He was a perfect, the bad, they called him the bad boys for, for something. He, for a reason. He yeah. was, he, that guy did some, I mean, and he wasn't suspended as much as Draymond Green. Uh, you know, it, but that's just, that's what I think. I, I mean, I, you know what? I'm a homer. I'm, I'm going to admit that, that I like Draymond Green. I like his style of play. You know, I think every team needs a dog, and he is the dog amongst dogs. I, at the same time, I do believe that what he did uh, crossed the line, and I think he needs to look internally in himself to know when to stop that. Uh, I And I really think part of it is the referee's fault. I see technicals given out to players who don't do half as much as Draymond Green. But when Draymond Green goes off, they do nothing, nothing. I mean, it's, it's, and I, I think uh, a byproduct of what Draymond does is because he's getting away with a lot of things. Could be. And, and then now it's, it's catching up to him. Yes. But I think, Ernie, I think one thing that we can agree with is 
the dynasty as we know it with Golden State is over. It's over. Clay is, is not playing well, and I think he's frustrated that they didn't extend him. They offered him two years at $20 million. He doesn't want that, but I, I think he's not going to do better than that on the open market. No. He's not. No. Andrew Wiggins is now being benched. Whatever he left the team last year for personal reasons it's still, clearly is still, still bothering there. him. It's still there. Because he is a... Is a Shell. A shell of himself. Curry is a one-man team. Chris Paul does nothing. nothing. They haven't gotten the development out of Kuminga and Moody that they were hoping for. They are now, what, 10 and 15 or yeah. 10 and 16 playing terrible ball. I could totally see them just blowing this up. But I don't know how. Other than Curry, I don't know you get very much for Clay. Draymond right now you're dealing with a depressed asset I don't know if you're going to get a lot for him um, and they're talking about they want Laurie Markkinen for Kaminga and Moody and two first round picks and somebody else if you're Utah do you make that trade do you want Moody and Kaminga maybe um, but I think this rendition of the Warriors is done and it, it came faster than I expected I tell you bad things happen when you trade Jordan Poole <laughs> Yeah, bad things happen to the Washington Wizards. <laughs> All right, gang, that's going to wrap that show up for us. Again, we remind you again, check out Cool and Paul Breck, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Wake Up in the Den, 7.60 a.m., 95.1 FM here in Honolulu, HawaiiSportsRadio.com. You can listen to it anywhere in the world. You can also check out our podcast on that website as well. Ernie, anything else? I'm good. And again, on this Christmas week, Merry Christmas to all of you and the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Hey.